Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week one, day one of our study of Esther. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Esther 1, 1 through 3. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Before we get started, I want to encourage you to check out all the resources we have over at 10weekbible.com. We need to know the Bible now more than ever. So it may be your time to start leading a Bible study group in your church or in a small group in your home. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us. God, speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. I'll be reading today from the NIV. This is Esther 1, starting in verse 1. This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Cush. At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of the reign of his reign, he gave a banquet for all of his nobles and officials, the military leaders of Persia and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. So this is a preamble to the book of Esther. Very often in scripture and in, in books like this, what we have is this introductory phrase. Sometimes it's it's a couple of verses like this, just a phrase. Sometimes it's an entire chapter like the book of Genesis, where you've got this, this introduction kind of giving the, the overarching you know, scene setting is really what we're doing. We're just setting the scene for what's going to happen in the book of Esther. <clears throat> We're going to get into a lot of different things in the book of Esther. I'm really excited to jump into this study. This book is is such an enigma. It's it's one of so many people's favorite books to study in scripture. And I think it's very often misunderstood. I think it's very often misunderstood as, as far as how we should read it. Should we understand it through an ancient lens? Should we understand it through our modern lens? What is our modern lens that we would understand this through? We're going to look at all of that as we break this book down, as we go through it. There's going to be a few days where we take a little bit of a break from the narrative, reading the text of Esther. And we're going to talk about some things like the the cultural context and the setting and how people would have understood this in this day and age versus when we live now, our more modern Western mindset, and maybe even a little bit of an Eastern mindset and how people would view this. It really takes on a, a different look as you look at this, this book, depending on which lens you're looking at it through. We're also going to break down the difficulties in translations for this book and I always read from the NIV as we're going through these studies, and I've explained it's not because I think the NIV is the best translation. I think it's a very good translation. I don't know that there is a best English translation, but for this study, we're going to look as we go through it, and, and we'll spend an entire day on this subject, a day or two, on the issue of translations and why I think the NIV and why a lot of different scholars think the NIV actually misses some things here and where the, the most recent translation of the NIV may have gone astray a little bit. You, you may have read something about that, maybe not, but we'll get into that as we go through this book. And those are all things that are, are coming. I'm just kind of laying out some things that we will be talking about 
during the course of this book. But anyway, back to our narrative, our passage here. The first thing is that we're talking about King Xerxes according to the NIV. If you look at the New King James or pretty much any other translation, they all say King Ahasuerus. And, and, and I want to pause for just a second. On our first day here, I want to encourage you to read the book of Esther 10 times in the coming 10 weeks that we're going to be going through this book. Getting God's word in you 10 times more then my words or anyone else's words is going to be so powerful to your study of scripture. Very often I bring it back to Psalm 1. King David says that, you know, blessed is the man who fills his, his heart with God's word and meditates on it day and night. That's my paraphrase. That's not the, the word for word what Psalm 1 says, but go and read Psalm 1 and my paraphrase is pretty close. Blessed is the one who who meditates on God's law, God's word, the Bible, day and night. Be like a tree planted by streams of living water. And, and he gives the corollary is if you don't do that, you're going to be counted in the, in the seats, in the, the courts of the wicked, is what King David says. And so he's saying, if you want to be counted among the righteous, if you want your life to be like a tree planted by streams of living water, you've got to meditate on God's word day and night. I don't know if you ever tried to do that, but it's really difficult. I think impossible, but there is a way to get there. And that's by filling your mind and your heart so much with God's word that you accidentally start meditating on it. Like when you pull up to a stoplight or when you're laying there at night and and you're drifting off to sleep, if you filled your mind with God's word more than anything else, and that doesn't mean that you have to read 10 hours a day of God's word. What it means is that you have to have more of God's word in you than Netflix or anything else. You've got to be in God's word more than those things, more than, you know, all the other things. It doesn't mean that, you know, whatever's going on at work won't pop into your mind. But if you fill your, your mind with God's words enough, it's going to pop in there in those quiet moments. And that's, I think, what David is getting at when he talks about meditating on God's word day and night. We have to read it. We have to think about it. And so the way that you do that is by reading these things on repeat. Read the book of Esther 10 times in the next 10 weeks, and you'll be amazed at how it it changes the way you understand God and his word. It really will. So with that, other translations say King Ahasuerus. And this is going to be the the first point that I want to make as far as where I think the NIV falls short. And we're going to have a longer discussion about this later in our podcast series about halfway through. But the most recent recent version of the NIV uh, in and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing. I'm not putting the NIV down. I'm not necessarily putting their decision-making down. I understand why they've done this, but I disagree with it. I want to say that I have great respect and honor for every single 
all of the people that have worked on the translation committees, all of the individual scholars who've worked on the translations for all of the English Bibles. I think it is such a privilege that we have to read God's word in English in so many different ways. And one of the privileges that we have is that we can actually flip back and forth between different versions of scripture. And so over the next 10 weeks, I encourage you to read this 10 times in 10 weeks. And in that time, read it three times the NIV, three times in the New King James, three times in the ESV or, or whatever, you know, mix this up, read, read it in different translations, and you'll begin to see what I'm talking about here. You'll begin to see the difficulties that the translators have had and maybe some of the liberties they've taken. And this first liberty, the, the actual text does not say Xerxes. And this is where I have a disagreement with the translation for the, the most recent translation for the NIV. Previous translations of the NIV said Ahasuerus. The most recent translation, which was done five or six years ago now as, as of 2022, maybe longer. My, my concept of time as, as I get older changes, as many of you probably understand, the the previous translations said Ahasuerus. At some point, that was changed to Xerxes. The reason that was done is because archaeologically and and historically, from an extra biblical perspective, you know, the academic world when we study the Persian kingdoms, the Persian dynasties, this particular king at this time in history. Everyone else outside of the book of Esther or outside of the Bible calls kings Xerxes. We know him as King Xerxes. This is the King Xerxes. They would go on to fight one of the most important and famous battles in all of, of human history that people have studied for centuries and movies are still being made about today. And that's uh, the Battle of Thermopylae against the Greeks. This These massive battles and, and of course in that battle, the, the Persians lose. Now, more than likely, and I'm, I'm not going to go through the timeline. If you want an interesting timeline on here, I'll probably show the timeline that I presented during our study of Ezra and Nehemiah, because Esther falls right in the middle of the, the books of Esther and, or of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's, it's right there sandwiched in between those two books. And no one knows for sure the exact time frames of when Esther happened, but it seems like the way that it's laid out, more than likely, Esther is chosen queen before the Battle of Thermopylae, before all of these things take place. And, and it might even be that the book of Esther takes, like the, the time period that we're looking at in the book of Esther stretches across that time period. And I'm going to go into, I'm going to lay out some reasons why I think that might be, uh, why I think the Battle of Thermopylae and maybe some of these famous Persian battle losses may have taken place during the book of Esther. Again, we'll get into that later in the book, but it's this, this point of King Xerxes here that I do have a problem with the NIV. Everyone else calls this King Xerxes. The Bible calls him King Ahasuerus. Now, there's lots of, of scholarly articles we can get into on the the Jewish name of the king and and the way that these phrases work and, and, and just how the native languages that they're speaking and writing in at this time, how they work. There's a lot of good information on that, why they called him King Ahasuerus and why this most likely is the, the, the King Xerxes that we know from, from extra biblical history. 
I have a problem with the NIV going ahead and changing the name from Mahasaurus to Xerxes. And the reason I have a problem with that is, is when we go back to our study of Daniel, and I've done a podcast on Daniel, the book of the, the written book of Daniel, um, the 10 week Bible study on Daniel will be coming out soon in the year 2022. And it really goes back to this issue of, I don't think we should be changing how we read God's word to fit our modern context. And this is contextualizing scripture is what the NIV committee has done here. They have changed the name that scripture gives them from Ahasuerus to Xerxes, because if you know Persian history, if you know ancient history, you don't know the name Ahasuerus, but you do know the name Xerxes. And so more than likely, they're the same person, more than likely, almost certainly it's the same guy. The problem is we don't know with 100% certainty it's the same guy. This could be a different king. The way that kingdoms often worked and, and how this, this played out, it's very complicated. It's not as straightforward as one might think, right? It's not like there's, you know, the one king sitting on the one throne, you know, in this dynasty in the city that's the, the capital forever. It doesn't necessarily work like that. Again, for Ahasuerus or King Xerxes, we're almost certain, almost certain that it's the same guy in the same place at the same period of time. But there's not 100% certainty with that. And changing the name from the biblical name Ahasuerus to Xerxes, one of the reasons they've done that is there's no archaeological record of a king being named Ahasuerus. But like in the book of Daniel, there's the same kinds of issues as Daniel gives a, a Persian king a certain name that we don't have any extra biblical record of. And in fact, it almost seems in conflict with our extra biblical academic archaeological records of, of the, the nations of Babylon and Persia. And so the, the, the issue is if we contextualize that and we go ahead and give it the academic name, the extra biblical name instead of the one the Bible itself uses— we don't know with 100% certainty that the Bible has gotten that wrong or that we should be doing that. We haven't turned over every spade of dirt in the Middle East to know if there are any archaeological records where this guy was king, called King Ahasuerus. And there could come this day where there are Jewish records that are uncovered where in this time period he was called Ahasuerus and that there is this link between Ahasuerus and Xerxes or possibly even another king. And so I think it's a bit misguided, a bit dangerous to be contextualizing the name in scripture to King Xerxes. Or, or, and, and this is done in, in many other ways. There's, there's a few places in the NIV, the most modern NIV translation, where I disagree. I respectfully disagree with how they've contextualized the scripture, the actual words in scripture to an extra biblical understanding. I think that's a dangerous precedent to, send, to, to, to to place out there. And many other people have said as much. Many other people have, have the same reservations with this as I do here. I think this is the biggest downside to the most recent NIV translation. Now, again, going back to this, the reason that I use the NIV is because I get the least tongue twisted when I read it on air. Even the New King James, which is a good translation, it, it tends to, to trip me up a little bit just because of the way the things are worded and phrased. 
But if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, then you know that it's not that I endorse the NIV as the best English translation. I think they're all good. I think they're all good. They have their pluses and minuses, all of them. It's just that the NIV is easiest for me to read. All right, we will come back to that. We're going to go more into depth into this translation issue later and why it's important, but also why you have the opportunity and the privilege as an English speaker in our modern context to be able to have multiple translations. There's so many people around the world that don't have any translations, let alone five or six or 10 like we do. And so I just want to start out with that, that almost every other translation calls him King Ahasuerus. And we will discuss this further. All right. So with that, this, the stage is set. We're about to start with this big party. He's assembled all the military leaders, all the princes, all of the, the rulers, everybody in the entire nation of Persia, all 127 provinces from, you know, what he's saying, India to Kush, which is most likely Ethiopia. Uh, North Africa, or Kush, excuse me, would be uh, North Africa, not Ethiopia. But the, we're, we're talking about the North African part of of his reign. He's assembling everybody for this massive party, and it's all taking place in what is his capital, the city of Susa, the palace of Susa. Other translations call it Shushan. All right, with that, the stage is set. I can't wait to jump into the book of Esther for the 10-week Bible study. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-week Bible study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's word. Thank you.